So what we're gonna do is have a sexy pandemic. We're gonna send all the interns roses and ask them if they have sex with older men. I'm gonna go on TV every day and I'm going to try to kiss you. <laughs> oh, what I will do to you on the TV. Oh, the things that my father would do to me, you know. You know, I can give that affection onto you. <laughs> my father's name is Mario. That makes me Luigi. And you're going to be my Princess Peach. Uh, that's Andrew Cuomo. We're doing Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> Your Cuomo is a lot more accurate than my Cuomo, which sounds like a malevolent Adam Sandler character. <laughs> Yeah, Adam Adam Sandler, um, like Little Nicky Four. Yeah, <laughs> Adam Sandler, <laughs> Little Nicky Four. Here's Andrew Cuomo. Do I have to cut myself many times? Do yeah. I have to cut myself many times in front of you to show you how serious I am? Oh Do I can't? I, <laughs> I like that. Andrew Andrew Cuomo and Shia LaBeouf bond over mutual uh, love tactics in a bar one day <laughs> while both avoiding quarantine. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, Shia LaBeouf is um, I feel like the Shia story got buried after Sia like jumped in and then immediately <laughs> Sia like jumped in. and was like, watch this. <laughs> she was like, yeah, Shy is bad, but you want to see someone else do something crazy? I'm going to yeah. release this. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what Cuomo's been doing. Uh, mm -hmm. Cuomo has been like, oh, you think this is bad? You think the, oh, you think the nursing homes are bad? <laughs> Just wait <laughs> till you hear what I'm like. Look, you wanted to see the deaths. You wanted full Andrew. Randy Rainbow was saying he was a Cuomo sexual. But really, were you Cuomo sapiens? You didn't know nothing about Cuomo. Now Cuomo's showing you the full Cuomo, and there's nothing you can do about it, okay? Okay, you little assholes? Okay? <laughs> We're gonna buy you some roses. <laughs> yeah, so he bought roses um, for the interns. Uh, he asked them if they practiced monogamy. <laughs> what? Do you uh, practice monogamy? Because I don't. I'm in a, several polycules. <laughs> well, that reminds me. There was some big guy, uh, big uh, politician or someone on like Clubhouse who referred to a two-way as, as like <laughs> sex between two people as a two-way. <laughs> it's kind of like so do you do two ways you know what i mean it's two ways so it's, it's just it's like a two-way street you know it's it goes one way and then the other not just you know like one it's reciprocal <laughs> oh man he he just really keeps fucking up in wonderful wonderful ways you know i'm not saying i could do any better I could probably do better. I feel like I could do better than Cuomo. I, I feel like uh, society conditions us to believe that people who are credentialed and who wear suits and who come from, you know, high pedigrees uh, are more competent than us, even if, you know, we see how incompetent they are consistently. 
But it's still like, no matter how bad Cuomo is, no, he's still smarter than you because he has the credentials or whatever. He's he's from the dynasty. Uh, but, you know, we're just seeing the evidence laid bare. I'm a f- little fucking moron. I'm a little fucking baby bitch that can't keep my stupid fucking dick in my pants, okay? Well, he and I get angry. He hasn't taken the dick out. Let's be fair to Mr. Cuomo. He hasn't been accused of removing his penis. No, he didn't tubing it out. But, uh, you know, perhaps... He didn't Carlos Danger. Perhaps we should investigate his penis. <laughs> but he... See, maybe the problem is, like, Cuomo has resting, sexually menacing face, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> I, I was born with this, with this vibe, you know? I can't help my sexually menacing vibe yeah okay well the the funny thing for me was i saw before this came out the sex uh, uh allegations came out i saw a story in some paper being like i can't remember which paper being like uh, cuomo about to be like the shit is about to hit the fan for cuomo in various ways because of 10 they referenced 10 years of material or 10 years worth of material that was going to be unloaded on him, like, all at once. So uh, When you said 10 years worth of material, it's like his old stand-up material that's not very good. Yeah. Why did they make the whole plane out of the black box, you know? What's happened is they've found his, uh, his alternate Twitter account, and it's just got 10 years of tweets at uh, <laughs> underage girls being like... <laughs> <laughs> when do you turn 18? Do you need a job? Do you need money? Um, I'm, An- I'm Andrew Cuomo. I'm the governor. Uh, do guy. you like BTS? <laughs> I understand that they're very popular. Except the Korean pop band. Yeah. Can I can I buy you can I buy you a rap monster thermos? Would you like that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't insult. Uh, we do not insult that BTS. Um, I am no, pro I'm BTS. Just, just want you know, very dangerous territory you've led us into, uh, Alex. Um, what we need to do is we need to get BTS. <laughs> I'm audibly to nervous. BDS. Okay, I'm audibly nervous because if you ever say anything bad about BTS, a South Korean boy will come to your house and kill you with a knife. Boy, what are you talking about? It's some white girl. That's who their fan base is. Oh, I always think they're South Korean boys. It's white girls. They are South Korean boys. They won't. They won't. The the BTS people won't kill me. It's the, it's their army of uh, deranged. No, they're not actually. It's kind of a whole. It's a relatively oh, no, no. They're, de- they're 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 great. Actually, they're not deranged. You're right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. They're not deranged. Yeah, they're I'm, great. You're very. They yes. will threaten to kill you, and that is good. So we These love BTS. BTS and their fans. We have nothing bad to say um, about them. Do you remember that controversy when Radiohead uh, played Israel? Uh-huh. And everyone was like, no, Radiohead, you got a BDS, you got a BDS, don't mm-hmm. play Israel. Mm-hmm. And Radiohead were like, it's like, just because the country does bad things, you know, doesn't mean, you know, we can't play there for the people who don't do the bad things. If that were true, we couldn't play like America. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, people were... But, you know, I think... Uh, the reason why it's easier to isolate Israel is because they're much smaller than America, and Aww. your income won't be dependent so off puny. of isolating Israel. So we get to Israel. pick on them because they're puny. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Well, it's easier to put political pressure on them, and it achieves a lot more. Uh, so, 
but I, I just like the idea of like people getting really upset at Radiohead for not BDSing, mm. uh, and then like it turns out that Netanyahu was the biggest Radiohead fan on earth. <laughs> he, he just <laughs> and, and if like had they BDS, he would be like, "It's over, boys. Give them what they want. You know, nothing is worth this. This is what you get." Palestinians, yeah. this is what <laughs> you get when you mess with us. That's right. That's, that's Benjamin Netanyahu <laughs> singing Radiohead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's what's a what's another song by them? Uh, <laughs> fucking. Uh, br- br- the one, that one from I, Romeo and Juliet. When Julia. they came here before. Couldn't look you in the eye. Oh. Your skin like an angel. Your skin make me cry. <laughs> but I'm a creep. Yeah. Uh. I, I like the idea of BB. He's like not a fan of later experimental Radiohead, but he really likes the Benz and mm. Pablo Honey. Like well, he really only likes Britpop Radiohead. That's not so outside the realm of possibility my friend as we move into the insanity that will be millennials running stuff mm-hmm. um especially with fucking globalism man man can you believe that a bunch of people <laughs> that like neutral milk hotel are gonna do globalism soon yeah they so are yeah i am the king of carrot flowers Two-headed dick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, comely. I came right in my hand. Well, you can't even you can't even make fun of them for like jokes about coming in their hand because like all of their lyrics are about coming in your hand. You know. Yeah. And semen stains the mountain tops. You know we're coming everywhere. Coming to Anne Frank. (laughs) <laughs> there was a Jewish 14 year old I loved <laughs> oh. <laughs> I made fun of that al- I, the reason why I make fun of that album is uh, because it very much seemed like an obligation to have to like that album if you were part of uh, the music loving intelligentsia well see that's why I want to make generation. this is what, exactly why I want to make fun of um, the microphones and the Mount Erie that guy Oh, I like I like that Dead Wife album. That I, Dead I Wife album is legitimately good. I want to. When is it okay to make fun of that album? I mean, it's it's already okay <laughs> to make fun of that album, but it's it's a really fucking good. The dude nailed it. I'm sorry, so you know, funny. it's it's not like Eric Clapton's Bad Dead Child <laughs> record, which is like exploitative and cloying. This Dead Wife album is legitimately devastating. Yeah, well, if my wife dies, I'm not gonna make an album and make an, a pretty mill, you know. Um, not <laughs> yeah. gonna cash in right away. <laughs> this Mount Erie guy, you know, he he, he murdered his Man, wife it's, to it's get the real, pathos buck. You know you what? Know? The one thing I would say is it's just kind of eerie how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidence? Oh. It's a little eerie, you yeah. know. He names himself after something spooky, and then his wife dies. You know, these are forces. These are universal karmic forces yeah it was sad that guy's uh, got some sad music he should like get an 8-bit thing or a keyboard or something where he's not so fucking sad phil elverham's really good i like mount Erie better than i like the microphones because the microphones feels very much of its time and it makes me sad because it makes me think of like wes anderson movies from that era and shit i yeah i do and... like it i like it i just want to be clear that it is extreme 
in its sadness so that you you could parody it and i find it funny while also finding it sad which is you know it's tragic comedy there's lots of comically sad musicians elliot smith comes to mind yeah um, uh, Morrissey is comically sad. He's the original comically sad man. Yeah, Morrissey's a, the Smiths are a case of like, man, I wish they had a different lead singer. But what can you do? Because I <laughs> love charming. I fucking man. love the music. I love the bass player and the guitarist and the drummer's fine, but I don't really know if he's as good as the bass player and the guitarist. You know my headcanon, right? That Morrissey is actually just a cow in disguise, which is why he sounds like that, and which is why he's like, Meat is murder, don't eat any meat. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's me, Morrissey, and all here. He's cow-shaped now. He's definitely cow-shaped. If you tipped him over, he would look like, and like put a, a polka-dotted shirt on him. He'd look pretty yeah. much like a cow. All, all the gay Mexicans that follow him call him Senor Vaca, Senor Vaca. <laughs> Mm, Senor Vaca. Is Vaca an insult? No, Vaca is just the word for cow. Someone called me that in an online game. I was not sure. Well, you can use it insultingly in the same way that... Uh, uh, you, you know the word for pussy in French is actually just chat? Like the, fr- uh, the, the female equivalent for cat? I, not I, the male, not chat, yeah. by the way, but chat. <laughs> One's um, dirty, the other isn't. I mean, kind of. It's, pussy is... Some people still use puss for uh, for cats here, and I always found that to be disturbing. Like, yeah, you puss, 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 puss. And puss, I'm like, puss, oh, you're not going to be my friend if you say that. You're not gonna, I'm not going to hang around you. Sorry. It's the little uh, things, you know? Little things like that. Like smelling odd. Goodbye forever. Never going to talk to you again. You got to dress cats as, hey, big pussy. Pussy, come over here. <laughs> That's how you have to do it in a Jersey accent um, in order to make it not sound weird. So Cuomo's not the only pers- person fucking up. Uh, I guess Biden's fucking up by... Biden's fucking up this week. By well, just... he's not fucking up. He's doing exactly what we thought he would right. do. But it it brings forth to mind the old uh, uh, Dewey line from Malcolm in the Middle. Mm-hmm. I expected nothing, and I'm still disappointed. Oh, well, Dewey's a little smartass, Okay. Why don't you shut Dewey's down? Why doesn't the Dewey demographic just just like take a seat over there? <laughs> these fucking Deweys. These I fucking feel like that's Deweys. how they view these Zoomers. Zoomers are a bunch of bu- bunch of Deweys, yeah. bunch of Zoomer Deweys rolling around. We're Malcolms, we millennials. We just suffer constantly, even though we're much smarter than everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bombs over Biden. <laughs> yeah, don't feel the bays out, but they got doing the bays. Uh, bombs over Biden. Yeah. So the first uh, well-publicized military action of the Biden era has been performed after some posturing that, oh, hey, Jack, we're going to we're gonna pull out of Yemen, you know? We're going to do something like that. It wasn't which hasn't in Yemen, it was in yet. Syria. Yeah, it wasn't. He, But earlier in his administration, he like made overtures towards not warmongering. Um, and mm-hmm. so he said that he was going to pull support for Saudi, American support for Saudi Arabia and Yemen. And But now, as of last week, uh, he bombed a bunch of Iran-backed militants in Syria. Dude, it's so, so cool how it's so cool how he's just a mask with sunglasses now. Mm-hmm. Like they could replace him, and no one would know for a while. 
It's it's fantastic. You just get like a a guy with Biden's hair. <laughs> And his frame. You can give him a pair of sweet ass aviators. He looks like such a badass. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely support his military action because of how he appears. <laughs> well, <clears throat> to some degree, that's why uh, that's why people who had opposed military action, who had been almost radicalized into anti-war stances during the Bush era, uh, swiftly rescinded those stances when Obama came around because of his, you know, appearance of utter total technocratic competence, people could be assured that these kinetic strikes were indeed, you know, precision strikes and they were only getting the bad guys. So their idea that war was bad in all scenarios was extinguished because war is good if it's being managed by, you know, some some guy from Colombia. Well, the alternative for Syria is it's going to be managed by Russia. So, I don't know. Who, who do we prefer to be bombing people, us or Russia? Who's better at uh, it? I guess we're, we're probably better at bombing. Man, we're still fighting proxy wars against Russia. We're really well, trying to... a little bit, sometimes. Also, yeah. we're fighting proxy wars against many places all the time. Yeah, you're right. We have to. So it's, it's so important. And and if they if they ever, like, decrease be, below a dull roar, then you have our uh, populace rise up. So we have to mm. transfer all the angry people, get them into the army, and go do a proxy war. Hopefully in, like... Somewhere new and exotic, you know, uh, mm. Papua New Guinea. Yeah, it's uh, army was army is really just the original survivor, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's game of it's uh, it's uh, Hunger Game of Thrones. Hunger Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's what it is. There you go. We should that's we should just uh, we should just uh, rewrite the Geneva Convention to be Hunger Games rules. Yeah. <laughs> Reset yeah. Hunger Games rules. Yeah, that's sick. how. That's how, and and we penalize any guerrilla warriors by infecting them with those those bees from the Hunger Games, those dangerous hornets. What do they call them? Like jack trackers, track jackers, jack jack boots, jack axters. So in a way, the the strategic. Listen here, Jack. It's... We're gonna invest in the Hunger Games hornets, okay? We're gonna sting those terrorists, okay, man. It's like that a strategic release of aggression is the only thing that can keep countries from just blowing their tops and having a huge world war. So we're, we've created a world where there are going to be countries that are constantly at war for our own benefit. Mm-hmm. Just like Star Wars, The Last Jedi makes you think. Yeah, we Who's are. really no, yeah, funding the rebellion? <laughs> the United States is the is the bad guys in Star Wars. Yeah. We're, we're, well, and the, fucking Osama, Osama bin, bin Laden. Osama bin Laden is Luke Skywalker. Or or uh, no, he's no, he's Obi-Wan Kenobi. The, yeah, Luke Skywalker was Mujahideen. We all know that Luke Skywalker was a brave Mujahideen fighter. Uh and uh, the trench run is the inspiration for 9 11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it so is. Uh, it, but it is. It's trust the force, Luke. It's like yeah, believing. It's Muhammad like Allahu Akbar, Luke. <laughs> Allahu Akbar, Luke. Uh, uh, when Mohammed Anna was piloting the plane, <laughs> he heard, use the force, Mohammed. Use the force. <laughs> 
Uh, then he turned off his targeting systems. Yeah, except, except, and then, uh, except and then, uh, what we don't see in in the Star Wars Episode Four is that it yeah. was actually the Empire with the Empire with uh, strategic bombs that they set off themselves. <laughs> they blew up You're the right. Death Star themselves. <laughs> but I like the idea of all the all the Muslims in New Jersey celebrating like Ewoks. Yub dub, yub dub, yeah. Well, oh my God, the Empire, the Death Star was an inside job. Yep. That is a definitely a funny thing you could do in a in an apocryphal Star Wars universe. Um. Dude, if maybe can you imagine if they actually did that in uh, in the Star Wars sequels? Like they they the, set it up all the same, like they do, but then mm-hmm. instead of having <laughs> it's revealed, it's all an elaborate conspiracy and by like the CIA <laughs> of the Empire. Oh, it'd be great. Well, what if? Okay, so maybe maybe the Empire. So Palpatine. He comes back in episode nine, right? Much to everyone's chagrin. Never saw and it. Sorry. It's it's bad. I, I didn't see it either, but I know he comes back. But the idea that he's been manipulating everything this whole time, and he's so super smart and so good at 5D chess that he can manipulate anything. I like the idea that he is actually behind the blowing up of the second Death Star so he can collect the insurance money and, you know, go around and fuck. Mm-hmm. Or what? No, he doesn't want to do it. He wants to, like, I don't know. How does he even, how did he remain alive? I don't care. No, we're not talking about this. We're moving on. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Near a tandem time. Uh, well, the other the other Biden thing oh, is Biden. still, the kids are still in cages. Oh, well, That's the other okay. Biden thing. Yeah, I have, don't, I mean. They've are introduced they? the Biden cages, though. Yeah, the Biden cages are supposedly upgrade. more humane. <laughs> I thought they got uh, a Biden yeah. Um, I mean, the, the how is the Biden administra- administration supposed to deal with unaccompanied minors? Is the one is the, is the question that you get piled on for asking? Um, so well, there there's a very special movie that stars the Everybody Hates Chris kid uh, and Lewis Black called Unaccompanied Minors, and I, I think you should watch that movie because Lewis Black's response is what you shouldn't do oh. with unaccompanied minors, and that's what the Biden's administration is doing right now. And putting them in, in in like little. We're gonna put them in tunnels uh, so they can crawl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, look, Jack, we're requisitioning every McDonald's play place in the country, and that's that's where they are now. That's where the, that's where the little Miguel and and little Ros, Rosalita, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna grow up in a ball pit, Jack, and they'll be shining shoes for for the normal kids in the ball pit, and that's how they'll they'll make their wages. Okay, this is America. Listen, I don't know how hard it is to set up an orphanage on an orange farm. Just do it already, okay? <laughs> and take them all there, and let them have some of the oranges sometimes, okay? Yeah, and, don't don't spoil them. Yeah, and but also you know. have it be run by crazy nuns, <laughs> like who will just do insane shit, like for wetting the bed, to like crucify you. <laughs> They'll literally put you on, like nail you to a cross if you wet the bed. Those are the good nuns. Yeah. yeah. 
Those, th- those are those are the solid nuns. Th- those are the nuns that taught me, Jack, and and look how I am today. You know, just just filled with creative solutions to uh to to the problems of of me. Dude, okay, Jack. I bet there's a certain like code word about either a nun or a priest that you could say to Joe Biden that would just like trigger a memory in his brain and reduce him to like a crying mess of mm-hmm. guilt and shame. And I, I bet we just have to figure out what that word is. Go to one of his rallies and say it, and then he'll crumple yeah. to the floor. Everyone who who experienced the Catholic Church from ages uh, four to twelve has a Manchurian candidate trigger word, mm-hmm. which was the word said to them right before the priest took advantage of them in confession. Well, you know, or there's a several scenarios. I mean, it could have been severe beatings. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> yeah, Biden's lots of case. rulers. Yeah, because they still had. Um, the idea that you can kick a kid's ass to make it learn good mm. which we don't have anymore now we're like no you gotta wipe their butts you gotta always be wiping their butts constantly you know treat them real nice give them food whenever they ask for it a bunch of nonsense look look, look jack sister mary providence waterboarded me for eight straight days when i was a kid that's how i know it's fine okay <laughs> all right so let's dig in to how did Mr. Biden defend his airstrikes that he ordered in Syria? He said it was well, about self-defense. Yeah. Because I <laughs> because we have a bunch of bases there, I guess. Mm-hmm. That sounds like bullshit to me. What do you think? What I heard was that it was essentially a revenge fuck for the uh what what had happened is but what was really weird is that it was a revenge fuck a year after the fact so after trump assassinated Soleimani, there was actually a bunch of iranian missile attacks yeah, on I'm, american bases in syria that was a that was a big deal but i mean that stated reason is for an attack on february 15th that mm-hmm. was more minor than that hmm where we, they killed a civilian contractor. Um, I feel this is very much like uh, you're just doing this because it's your first day in prison and you got to beat up the biggest kid, and it's like, look, yeah. I can do some kinetic strikes in Syria, Jack. Show, flex my muscles a little. Do some push-ups for the ladies. Get some roses from Andrew Cuomo. My ultimate take is that it was probably not Biden's idea, and it was probably presented by the Joint Chiefs, And that Biden probably at this point wanted to go with a suggestion with the Joint Chiefs. And this seems to me like just some, yeah, some allowable prison killing to the (laughs) ends of the ends of probably just minorly uh, improving your opinion with some old white guys in uniforms is my Mm -hmm. take of why this Mm -hmm. was done. Just to make yeah. the Joint Chiefs, maybe it's this, I don't know, the Space Force guy or the Army guy or the Air Force guy that wasted a trillion dollars on an F-35 that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Probably one of those guys, just to jerk him yeah. off a little bit. Be like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? Why not? And we all, you know, they need to keep a new contract up with Raytheon. They need to use the Tomahawk missiles. They do go bad after a while. <laughs> you got to do Did it. Did you check the expiration date on the Tomahawk oh, missiles? Shit. Oh, Freddy. Did you check? 
shit. We got they're moldy. <laughs> they're. Mo- I'll pay you five bucks to eat it. Uh, pay you five bucks to eat the moldy tomahawk missile. Sir, Jim. we were supposed to have uh, uh, fired these tomahawk missiles approximately two weeks ago. Uh, please tell the president <laughs> that they will go bad and we will lose $15 million. I like the idea of a bunch of tomahawk missiles just getting leather jackets and riding motorcycles and smoking cigarettes outside of the school. And, you know, they've gone bad, these tomahawk missiles. <laughs> oh, you mean they've gone bad in the 50s way. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, Jim, they, they, Jim Biden's like. Become, oh, they've gone bad. What are they doing? Are uh, they robbing the drugstore? They're listening to Bill Haley in the comments. <laughs> oh, no. That's the rockinest music around. <laughs> Little Richard, where? Arrest him. All of these, all of these kids are going to have slamming erections, which they're going to use to shape culture to be more individualistic and atomized. Yeah. Reefer Madness, <laughs> Tomahawk Missiles style. I don't, know. I don't know how that goes. Um, An anthropomorphized tomahawk missile with little Mickey Mouse gloves playing a piano after spoken a doobie. Yeah, I can I can get down with it. Um. Yeah. So I don't know really why they did this strike. Maybe it was the the attack recently in February that killed one person, or maybe it was the attack that was the counterattack for Soleimani's assassination. Um, some Democrats pushed back. I think Bernie pushed back. Mm-hmm. That's good. Bernie's nice. Bernie doesn't even have the best record when it comes to uh, when it comes to military action. He mm-hmm. hasn't been as uh, dovish as you would think he would have been. Right. Like he voted for shit in uh, in uh, what's it called Yugoslavia. He voted for military action in Yugoslavia. Which was which one was that? Was that Clinton? That was under Clinton, yeah. Bernie's been around forever. That was necessary. Yeah. Was it? They were, I don't know. Yeah, I don't were, know anything the against, about the one against Slobodan Milosevic. But I don't. I don't know anything about that conflict. The one I should. Kosovo? I should Are not you talking pretend. about Kosovo? Is there? Is it? A, no, it wasn't Kosovo. Okay. It was before. It was the nineteen ninety-two the one. The one with the Srebrenica massacre. Mm. Okay, so it was a different in one. Bosnia. Well, then I don't know because I think the one with um, in Kosovo I thought was necessary, but I don't yeah, know we're about trying the to stop the ethnic cleansing. Yeah, I don't know. About I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. Don't hold me to anything. Um, okay. Don't hold me. Bernie also voted for Afghanistan, but literally everyone voted for if Afghanistan. You didn't, vote, <laughs> you didn't vote for that shit. They were going to like bring out a gu- guillotine and be like, "Look, a traitor in our midst." <laughs> <laughs> what are you, a fag? <laughs> Yeah, they would have they would have said that, and then they would have killed you. Um, Bro, nine was... eleven just happened, and you don't want to revenge. Fuck these guys. What are you, some sort of big dick fag? <laughs> what are you, some sort of? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we man. were letting Giuliani decide national policy at that time. So. <laughs> you know, yeah, he was giving noogies Bush, to dissenters. Bush was like, uh, <laughs> "So, uh, what do you want to do about it? <laughs> oh, you want to invade? Okay." No, it's not mm-hmm. a good push. <laughs> George W. Bush. George, George W. W. George W. Had him more relaxed. I kind of think of him as, as like a, that cartoon, so I tightened him up really intensely. Tightened him a, up a little. Kind of a, yeah. You know who could do a great H.W. was Robin Williams. Robin Williams could do a great H.W.? Yeah, he did a great H.W. Bush. I thought Dana Carvey did like the quintessential H.W. Bush. No, fuck Dana Carvey. Thousand points of light. <laughs> Fuck Dana Carvey compared to Robert Williams. Uh, <laughs> ho, 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 ho. This is wonderful. 
Can you imagine, like, Robin Williams jacking off and just, like, cycling through all of his fantasies very rapidly? <laughs> ho ho, now I'm in latex. Ho ho, now I'm wearing a clown nose. Ho ho, now I'm being courted by my mother. Ho ho. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, I have, I, so I think the reason why, if I were to say a reason why, uh, that Biden did this is because this is what you're supposed to do. You don't know why you're doing it. You're just doing it because this is, you have the military. So if you don't use it, it's going to seem like, uh, you can't justify it. So I, yeah, you alluded to this before you just, because you have the industry and it's one of the only functional industries left in America, you have to, you know, constantly justify that industry. So there you go. That's there you go. That's probably as good a reason as any. Uh, and you had mentioned before uh, another another in the Biden embarrassment league of this week is Nira Tandon. Miss mm-hmm. Nira, Nira, my God to thee. Right. So this it may be the first uh, cabinet position that he loses. And, you know, it wouldn't be mm-hmm. crazy. Obama lost a couple of cabinet positions. I think. Oh, OMB is not technically a cabinet position. Oh, well, OK. <laughs> He's going to lo- lose a Senate confirmation. Um not a, it's yeah it's it's a yeah he's gonna lose a, posi- a a position that he wanted appointed he's gonna lose yeah i mean okay not a cabinet position but still requires senate confirmation i thought it was a cabinet you're right um yeah. so it's not crazy i mean one person was like uh you want a rude person to have that job because they have to yell at people who don't want them to pass progressive stuff so we want Nira Tandon there. Uh, so I'm like, eh, I don't know. Nira Tandon's not like Lyndon Johnson where she's like using her rudeness as like a source of intimidation. I think, frankly, her rudeness alienates more people than it does intimidates them into behaving. But I don't mm-hmm. know nothing about no politics. So Nira Tandon, for, uh, she's a bit of a deep cut. She was a Hillary Clinton uh, aide for the longest time and, like, a massive, crazy Hillary supporter. Um, Like, so frothing at the mouth, in fact, that she became notable on Twitter for slinging especially vile uh, hate (laughs) towards leftists and Hillary detractors. Um, She would sling a lot of hate at right-wing people, but uh, a lot of left-wing people faced her wrath. Uh, and her tweets were so mean that, that they might just ruin her career. Yeah, which is interesting because she tried to, she's tried to ruin other people's careers who've been rude to her on Twitter. Um, yeah. So this guy, Matt Brunig, who is like resident smart guy somewhere, called Nira Tandon. People's a, Policy Project is good. I don't know what it's that is. Project. Called, I refuse to understand John Rawls. I refuse. Um, <laughs> Matt Brunig said that Nira Tandon was a scumbag, and then she got him fired uh, from the, the place that he was working at the time. Let me I have to look up where he was working. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's, it's I mean, blog. Matt Brunig. Working for some blog. I can relate to the travails of Matt Brunig because he is my age. So it's like, I can't imagine being like 26 fucking years old. And, you know, just starting off on, like, my fledgling policy project fresh out of law school and just tweeting at 
Neeratanding and then being like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and wielding her power against this, you know, uh, fresh-faced nobody leftist. Yeah, it uh, kind of makes it seem like it's her comeuppance, like a, a nice yeah. comeuppance. And that's how why everyone... Yeah. That's why uh, everyone, and yet it is a cabinet level position, so I was right. It is a cabinet so, level so position. I was right. It's why that's why you it were, requires you were Senate confirmation. Uh, I'm not going to rub it in your face for too much longer. Okay, but I was in. very, so, so very this right. is nice for me. I was very. Someone right. had you corrected very, me on very Twitter. Wrong. I'm fine with this. <laughs> I don't know nothing about no procedure. How does that feel? It feels pretty bad. It feels like feels like all of my tears are salty. Then they're burning my face. It's not really. I don't. I wouldn't consider it to be in the cabinet. If I was the president, I would. I would. If I was the president, I would remove every executive agency except for Treasury and War Department. <laughs> money and guns. Money and guns. That's that's how we need. all that the executive should have, and Congress should have no vacations and work. A ten-hour day every day. Um, they get Sundays off, but six days a week, and do what they're fucking supposed to because that's what all the executive agencies are set up for, and that's the reason Congress takes so many goddamn vacations. Oh my God! Did you see Pete Buttigieg's uh, accepted speech for Secretary of Transportation? It was literally just like, "I love trains." I like boats. <laughs> I like planes. I'm very enthusiastic yeah. about all of this. Well, the main thing that the Congress does now is take vacations. And so that's why when you are voting for someone, you need to vote for the person who you think takes the most epic vacations. Yeah. Um, that's why we get uh, pictures of John Kerry, Obama, water waterboarding. Or no, what's it called? Yeah. What's it called? No, I said waterboarding. I meant it was surfboarding. Um, yeah. Um, windsurfing. Wind water surfing. boarding and windsurfing. Water surfing, yeah. Water boarding and windsurfing at the same time. Difficult. <laughs> Difficult sport. Yeah. John Kerry's oh, waterboarding someone while windsurfing. I would love to go off, you know, jump off one of those cliffs and hang on paragliding. Anyway, um, near Tandon I, uh, deserves it. My take. Yeah, she's she's not... There, unlike other Clinton people, people in Clinton's orbit, there's no redeeming factor about her. She's not like, she's not like Peter Dow, who eventually, I mean, Peter Dow eventually <laughs> became a weird leftist, which is funny. Uh, his, his face turn was, was, was very hilarious. And now he's become an annoying Bernie bro, <laughs> as mm-hmm. it was always meant to be. Um... Who else is in? Who was in Hillary's field of view? Um, uh, Huma Abedin. <laughs> I feel so bad for Huma. <laughs> uh, well, oh, you know, man, she can. She there's. She can always go do something else out of the public eye. I guess. Yeah. John Edwards she still should, has a job somehow. So. Yeah. Everyone's just going to meet up at Barack Obama's Netflix production house, well, where they produce middle of the road. Uh, documentaries about, I don't know, shapes? I don't know. Um, I didn't... So apparently Barack Obama's a podcaster now. Yeah, with Bruce Springsteen. That's so cool. You know what the podcast is called? No. Born in Kenya. What? 
No, you don't get it. It's ironic. It's uh, not pro. Uh, it's not pro Kenya. <laughs> yeah, it was about Kenya's involvement in Vietnam. It's about the fact that bad people said he was. So he comes from Kenya to become president. A eh? likely story, says mm-hmm. the boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You know. Ooh. Sirens in the background. Uh oh. Yeah. Oh no, oh no. They're getting the Obama police are coming for me for criticizing Obama. Yeah, we should have a secret police. You know? That'd be cool. Um, yeah, but the secret police only give you very cryptic clues <laughs> to various pieces of cheese around town. <laughs> the secret police are the police like there's like secret police that help you solve crimes. They're actually very nice. <laughs> yeah, those are the, yeah. That's the secret police. We should write We're a children's story. We should yeah. write a children's story to whitewash the concept of secret police. Like secret police are police that hide underground, and they come yeah. out at night to help you find things and solve crimes. But the regular, <laughs> yeah, they can't come in the light because the regular police are very mean to them. <laughs> Sometimes the secret police have to kill the regular police. <laughs> When, when they start revealing too much. Oh my god. Oh, well, I man, I so I was there was this post by someone else. Um, they were talking about how Dr. Seuss is racist and how you should like here's alternative books mm-hmm. to Dr. Seuss. Mm-hmm. Raise your kids on because Dr. Seuss actually very problematic. Turns out, and like all of the books are these like woke kids books like Antifa Baby and you know White Baby Privilege and you know. Uh, B is, uh, I is for intersectionality, you know, shit like that. And it's all these. But the the thing is, it's like the artwork compared to Dr. Seuss is shit. Mm-hmm. And like uniformly on all of these, they look like just, I, I would rather raise my kid with good aesthetic values than be, I would rather, <laughs> mm-hmm. I would rather a Gavin McInnes now. Gavin McInnes is bad huh, aesthetic yeah, values. Yeah, see, well, yeah, he doesn't have good aesthetic values. Yeah. Um, who who's like who's a who has good aesthetic values but is uh, politically evil? Well, to, I don't know, but to, to pivot to Canada, for, is this is happening in Canada? No, this isn't happening in oh, Canada. Okay, I saw a list of books that Canada wants to not have, though, in some places. Like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't them, really care. Do you know the the book series, The Indian in the Cupboard? Yeah, that that's probably a good one to ban. Actually, yeah, they don't want to ban that <laughs> yeah. one. By Lynn pretty Reed offensive. They can't believe. Yeah, something about like a gigantic white child having dominion over a small Indian who obeys his every command might be, you know, not as whimsical as it once was. Um, I saw that movie. It was a good movie. I have no idea why. Why it's is called it whimsical? the Indian in the cupboard? It's not called the you? indigenous person. Oh, it in should the be cupboard. the indigenous person in the cupboard. Well, the, I mean, Indian first of all is bad, but it's like you'd call him like the the Cree, the Cree in the cupboard, mm. uh, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, somehow worse. I don't know. Well, why. I guess we should just make it a regular white guy. The the Chad in the closet. There was a white guy. He was a cowboy. <laughs> 
the, there was all there was a <laughs> white guy was there a was cowboy. a cowboy figure uh, i don't know if I, I think i had the books i don't know if i read it so i can't remember what it's about did did you ever play cowboys and indians as a kid or did you mm. just like see that on tv yeah not really i don't think so yeah we didn't do that either uh, yeah. That was that was a trope that I saw in The Simpsons, but never recreated in real life. I didn't have those like scrappy neighborhood friends that you see on TV. Like, I didn't have any of that outdoor friends. I had indoor friends. We spent time on the computer. <laughs> we spent time playing video I, games and going on. Like, I, 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 my best friend was the guy who had all the video game systems, whoever that might be. Okay. <laughs> okay. I understand. Well, I mean, we have video game systems too, but occasionally we'd be imagining, like when I was really young, before video games took over my life, like sub eight years old, <laughs> when I wasn't good at video games. See, that's what's good about like being really, really young is that you're not really good at video games, so you get bored with them easily. Yeah. You can't progress, can't get past the first level on Mario. Yeah, the first level, so, like, so many video, video games stumped me, and I was like, fuck. Mm-hmm. On SNES, mm-hmm. like the Star Wars game. Oh, well, that game is... The first level of that game is, like, ridiculously hard. That is a notoriously difficult series of video games, the Super Star Wars video games. They're also great. I love them deeply. Yeah. When we did progress, it was like, whoa, the game is cool. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There's more to it than just these endlessly spawning tentacle monsters in the desert. Yeah, the desert level at the beginning was crazy. And the jet... Mm. Remember the movie, the... The Jetpack movie? Rocketeer? Rocketeer. Yeah, Rocketeer had a crazy hard video game for SNES. Yeah. Yeah. Fucked up. I love those. Fucked up. That see that is that's what I miss, is not being able to comprehend video games when I'm a kid. This seemed like so much more of an insurmountable challenge and so much more of a little world unto themselves when you you don't actually have the wherewithal to appreciate it. But when you're an adult you have the meta-awareness to know, okay, I know how video games are designed. The developer n- intentionally put something here for me to get out of this situation, and I just have to solve the puzzle using a timing of the buttons. Don't, but when you're a kid, you don't you have that. Doesn't, that doesn't, doesn't solving puzzles make you nervous? <laughs> uh, only, only if it's the puzzle to why i drink yeah, pu- no, I, no puzzles, <laughs> I don't actually puzzles make me nervous in video games i don't like puzzles like i'm like oh god <laughs> i can't figure you it out you just like punching guys yeah just punch yeah 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 that's all you need um i also wanted to draw attention to an anecdote that we received from a guest and listener dan uh last week we were discussing uh, about Winton, about Ken Burns's fish, mm-hmm. and how he would get Winton Marsalis to comment on the band Fish. You know, fish is a metaphor for America. Turns out Dan uh, has actually attended a concert where Winton Marsalis collaborated with Fish, uh, and Whoa. showed me some footage of it. I believe it was at Lincoln Center, Dan. If I'm wrong, it was at some sort of fancy venue, <laughs> and you could see Fish fans huffing nitrous in the in the entranceway. <laughs> Uh, and it's all of these fish songs, but with this like very tepidly arranged Wynton Marsalis big bad music behind him, and it's just awful. Um, I I think Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. You can text me if I'm wrong, but uh, I I think Dan related it as being the worst, the single worst fish show he's ever been to. 
by, it by maybe a fantastic. wide margin. I mean, it yeah. sounds like <clears throat> a great time. Hopefully people didn't get mad. I imagine it'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> I could see them heckling. It'd be funny to heckle Wynton Marsalis. Yeah. Uh, get thrown it's, out it's of the fish show. <laughs> well, who's heckling, though? Because it's just, it's just people who are extremely high on nitrous or uh, NPR people. <laughs> I, I, I guess if the nitrous people are, like, freaking out at the NPR people. Yeah. Been like that. You're keeping but it I too real know. with the NPR stuff. Hmm. <laughs> I, I'm Lakshmi. I wonder if there's anyone who huffs nitrous and listens to NPR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they come up with their na- That's how they come up with their names. <laughs> yeah, nitrous public radio. Yeah. <laughs> Ira Glass is just. They call him that because he's just on meth twenty four seven. Yep. Nice. Dude, he's, he's edgy. I'm sorry, I don't like him. Can't listen. Ira Glass. Yeah, I, I don't know nothing about he's Ira got, Glass. He's got a voice. He's got a really distinctive voice. He's got a really dis. That's when they go up into the mic and do the whole ASMR and they talk in a very measured tone. Terry Gross is okay. Uh, what else they got on M- Emperor uh, uh, Kartok? No, I don't care. Dead. I don't. They're dead. They're dead. They died. I think. Okay. I, no, they I think I've said this anymore. before, and then gotten a, someone told me they're not dead. I think they're dead, though. Mm. Sorry for the keyboard. I have to find it out. Is car talk guys dead? Is they dead? <laughs> yeah. Is the car talk? Yeah, they yeah, dead. They're dead. One of them's dead. Tom. Tom Magliozzi. Magliozzi. In in uh, Canada, we we. Our NPR is essentially CBC Radio and CBC Two, and there's stuff by like the Vinyl Cafe with Ralph Ben Mergy. What <laughs> we're gonna listen the to, it, and it's like it's it's just like it's everything in Canada that's sort of like folksy or middle of the road or government sponsored is is part of this whole kitchen sink thing where uh, the kitchen sink narrative is you talk about a very mundane drama that happens in people's lives and it takes place in like, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Barrie, Ontario, or, you know, some, some R- Alliston, Ontario. And, you know, oh, it's about how they're having a problem with the siding for the barn and suddenly some secrets come to light about their mother's will, but all is resolved in the end. You know, some very mundane Ooh. shit. Oh, that sounds like it gave me a heart attack, eh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh no. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's as spicy as we can go in Canada. <laughs> soul Pepper Theater. Oh man. Some real soul pepper theater shit. Um but even like Kim's Convenience, which is like the CBC radio uh, the CBC's flagship show now and is relatively internationally successful, is based off that same Kitchen Sink novel. Uh, the the same kitchen sink format where it's like ah this Korean family mm. they're just having their ups and downs of their lives maybe one, you know maybe in <laughs> Toronto one of them's in a wheelchair or otherwise disabled no no, no one's no one's disabled yeah. in this show I don't oh, think wow. well that's not that's, that comes um, to mind that's Wheels Ontario you're th- you're yeah. referencing I was gonna say that's uh, good but I'm not gonna say that's good it's not good that they're not representing a disabled person it's not good see, well Degrassi is good. 
because Degrassi is like an extreme version of that kitchen sink version where it's like we're throwing so many like life problems at these people it becomes ridiculous mm. uh, which is why Degrassi's funny and worth watching and Trailer Park Boys takes that and flips it on its ear by actually doing a kitchen sink narrative and being so uh, true to the lives of these generally ridiculous people that um, uh, they end up with something great Uh but yeah, CBC Radio has that sort of folksy vibe, and I remember my mom playing it in the ra- in the morning, and me just viscerally hating it, just having this intense reaction of just, oh man, this is so fucking lame, and I can't wait till I don't have to hear this shit anymore in the fucking morning, <laughs> fucking CBC Radio. Um, maybe even more trite and twee and uh, shit than NPR. Wow. I I like it. I listen to it all the time on purpose in America. Yeah, <laughs> Canadians. You listen to cook to we, any Canadians we don't have, listening. I love you. <laughs> we we don't have a tiny desk concert. We have a tiny dick concert. <laughs> I hey, I could play that. I would love to invite me to your country. <laughs> I, I tiny have, dick concert. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the border and be like, listen, guys, look how small my dick is. You can let me in. I'm one of you. I swear I'm Canadian. Look yeah. how tiny my dick is. <laughs> well, well, it's true. He does have a tiny penis. Oh, you're right. That's the smallest mine. Come on in. Yeah. Long lost uh, brother. The hallmark of... <laughs> we are a small penis and thus gentle nation. <laughs> the large inflammatory penises of America can go foo, as far as I say. Well, the thing about it is none of us have to compete. Because we all got a small little pee pee. Yeah. The, they'll chop it down to size right at birth for you. <laughs> oh, they chop to size at birth? Holy shit. It's extreme circumcision. Uh, yeah. We're talking about Canada. There's been some good fucking embarrassing Toronto news this week. Spit it out. One of which is Khalil Sievright. He is a gentleman, he is a carpenter, and he has started this project where he builds tiny shelters for homeless people, which have flame retardant insulation as well as uh, fire extinguishers and smoke detectors. These shelters are much sturdier than tents these homeless people would usually use for shelters, and many homeless people attest to the fact that they feel safe and it has saved their life on more than one occasion. Uh, It is a wonderful, beautiful project. These tiny shelters... They usually go up where homeless encampments usually go up on so like side a, uh, in the middle of an elementary school. Yeah, right in the middle of an elementary school. Yeah, right in, in, in your the daughter's bed. Yeah. In your daughter's bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In in your boyfriend's asshole. Yeah. Uh, you'll find these homeless shelters. But seriously, <laughs> but seriously though, they'll they'll just go by like um, there there was a place. There was a homeless encampment near this place called Orphans Green. Such called that because it was it, the land wasn't zoned for any sort of development whatsoever because it was next to two highways. And so because there was nothing there, homeless people were there. Uh, and the reason why they're actually trying hmm. to... so well, I know exactly. Uh, I know, let me interrupt you right there. I know exactly what you should build there, which is a hotel for rich people. You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a, There's not enough... Rich people will love all of these highways. It doesn't matter if it stays empty. We have a million of them in America. They're called Radisson Mm -hmm. Suites, and you build them there, and no one can go in, especially not the homeless people. Please continue. Mm -hmm. 
The point is to build them for them to be empty. Don't you understand? Yeah. Yeah, which is what we accused China of doing when we, we have done this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did the same thing Those... with Radisson's. <laughs> <laughs> Radisson is actually Chinese for America. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay, hey, here's how we do it. We're going to not let the people go in there and have homeless encampments. Um, but what are mm-hmm. they doing in Canada about the homeless encampments? Uh, well, so our mayor, our wonderful mayor, John Tory in Toronto, has cracked down on these tiny shelters and has started removing them. People Lame. live there. Their stuff is in there. You know, they set up. They were comfortable there to some degree. And uh, because they're not appropriately zoned, because they're breaking a bylaw, you know, they got to go. Shit's got to go. It feels like the smart move would be like, Oh, pair up with this guy to not do such. I mean, it, it just seemed there. There's no. There's no person who would see this tiny shelter project, even like the most hardened conservative person, uh, probably would hate Tory for doing this because like hardened conservatives hate the idea of regulation getting in the way of progress, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like this. I this guy is materially doing something, and he's doing it in a demonstrably safe manner. And uh, because uh, the powers that because there's just uh, nimbyism afoot and because John Tory is uh, amenable to that nimbyism, shit's got to go. So um, it's an incredibly venal, wicked and sad thing to happen. Are there any details on like, did they destroy them? They're yeah, they're literally yeah. picking them up and destroying so them. So they're yeah. not being cool about like because the the humane thing to do would be to at least pick them up and move them to a new place intact no they're not moving because you know there's not in order to do that the city would have to like designate an area they would have to like zone an area area where uh, homeless encampments would go and they're not willing to do that because that would set a precedent that hey we can just have an area with like free housing without any property taxes on it that you can erect these tiny you know there's there's lots of reasons why they won't do it and plus uh, well, any any community would have a say in zoning this, and communities don't want homeless shelters yeah. uh, uh, in their neighborhoods. What, what about building a homeless shelter right there? If it's if it's not zoned for anything, then they can build a homeless shelter there. Well, uh, so the nimbyism in Toronto is rife because Toronto is one of the most expensive housing markets in the world. So why, uh, why these is that? isolated and little? Why is that? Uh, because of foreign speculation, foreign speculation, <laughs> Who? building Who? empty condos to raise everyone's prices. Where, yeah. where, where are they coming from? Where are they In coming from? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, it's China. It's China. Um, it, but yeah, a lot of uh, Asian investment, uh, deregulation and foreign speculation raises toronto housing prices through the roof everyone becomes a lot crazier about protecting their properties uh and uh as a result the nimbyism is rife yeah well we should Uh, we should examine uh, the evidence for the foreign speculation actually so we should not be quite so glib no no it's it's true it's i don't could could potentially just be douchebags from canada doing it too you never know don't don't rule that don't rule that out 
Um, but another Toronto story that I wanted to read, not just Khalil Sievert, community members of an East York neighborhood are up in arms about the city of Toronto's plans to replace a parking lot with 64 units of affordable housing for the region's homeless population. The area is the children's recreational hub for the whole of East York, and there's a lot of safety issues and concerns that we have, said community member Mark Battenberg. So our <laughs> recreational hub is the parking lot. <laughs> Wait, so say that end part again. The area is the children's recreational hub for the whole of East York, and there's a lot of safety issues and concerns mm. that we have. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess they weren't concerned about their kids just playing ball in a parking lot. So Residents of the area point to the fact that the parking lot is surrounded by an elementary school, daycare, public school, baseball diamonds, and hockey rink. Oh, I see. That's what they mean by re- the kids weren't just playing jacks underneath a car. Um, We're not saying oh, so that the, people don't need support and people protest. don't need homes. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. so hold on. There's a big protest, right? That look, We have to give a little context. I have to play catch up here. So there is like a big protest, right? Mm-hmm. About building housing on this parking lot. Yeah. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Because they're good, it's the good parking. It's a good spot, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I put my car. It's there. where all the stuff is, you know. Yeah. You know, it's funny how you know all the places that are like uh, good geographically good to put up a homeless shelter is also good parking. Yeah, I mean the reverse of this happens with city councils. What they'll do is they'll be like, um, "Oh, Joe White wants to start a business. We're going to grant it to him." But when um, Ronald Black wants to start a business, we're going to say, "Ooh, we're sorry. There's not enough parking spaces for your business. Mm. Mm. Sorry, not enough parking mm-hmm. spaces." They do that a lot. It's parking oppression. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, seriously, that's a, one mechanism of uh, syst- systematic racism that city councils mm-hmm. can do is arbitrarily enforce parking like shit around parking spots is what city council spend most of their time talking about Um, either we have not enough generally not enough or you can't have a new anything new nice or new because of them Mm -hmm. Um, because if if we don't have enough parking spots then that's not enough revenue coming into the city Mm. which is what they're thinking about we should we should destroy all cars. Uh, yeah, we should. Uh, hopefully, uh, what we can do is when they're all like got computers, we can hack them all and make them all turn off. Yeah, <sighs> we we can we can hack them all, turn them into the cars from Cars. They develop sentience, <laughs> get real depressed, cars annex, suicide. Yeah, they, they're done. They suck. Their they own, didn't. They suck off their own tailpipe. <laughs> 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 Yeah, they plug their own tail. They uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. imagine if sucking oh, your the own cars dick. are having sex. Imagine if they you put could, a butt plug in their tail. Imagine bike. if you could kill yourself by sucking your own dick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would still do it. I would still do it. I've done it. It's it's bad. Don't sucking your own dick is not fun. Uh-huh. What what's the reward at the end of it? You just get to eat a bunch of your own cum. Sure. Stupid. Sure. Wow. Just Great. jack off. Great. Just jack off. Great it's reward. Better. It's jack fine. Off onto a plate. Great reward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you the can East jack York off. Andrew Cuomo. You could. 
You can give you roses. You can jack off onto a plate. You can jack off in a cup. You know, I don't care where you jack. I don't care where you masturbate onto, but you can masturbate onto me, maybe. So the, okay. you're about to read what the East York residents were saying about why they don't they need the parking lot i didn't mean to oh no interrupt it's pretty me. much it's like the children think of the children i mean it's the same reason a, a couple of months back there was also like a homeless shelter that was slated to go up in a in a fairly ritzy neighborhood mm-hmm. in young and eglinton and people were like no think of the children there will be yeah. needles i'll have to explain needles to my children I'll have to explain uh, poverty to my children. I don't want to do that. I want to do it in a controlled environment. I want to see a poor person behind glass. I don't want to see them out in the street. That's why I bought this condo. Yeah. Um, de Blasio had a shameful episode during the pandemic where he had to shuttle homeless people around the Upper West Side as various neighborhoods would then object to them being there. Happened on at least two occasions, probably three occasions. Mm-hmm. And people would just say, no, get them out of our neighborhood. Mm. Because they were putting them in, like, empty hotels. They were empty because of the pandemic, so. Yeah. I don't know what you do about it, man. You you say to the citizens, tough shit. You should be able to eminent domain that shit when it comes to housing. Uh, You should write a law that says that citizens councils don't get a say in in housing homeless, in the decisions to house homeless people. Mm Mm-hmm. Because every time, people will always, including me, if I ever got my own house, I would become a NIMBY person. I can't be trusted. <laughs> no one can be trusted, which is why you need a fucking law. Yeah. Everyone will protect their own self-interest to the detriment of society. You know, it's a whole tragedy of the common situation. It's And it's like, uh, it's uh, the exact opposite of what libertarianism posits. Because in this situation, everyone acting in their own self-interest does not solve the problem of homelessness. Well, the, liber- homelessness is- the libertarian position is that Khalil Sievright should be able to, there shouldn't be zoning laws, and Khalil Sievright should be able to turn his tiny houses into a business and charge to homeless people yeah. <laughs> whatever they could I guess for, for, <laughs> yeah. for libertarians would uh, say he's a cuck for not for, charging the homeless yeah, people yeah I guess he'd have to charge <laughs> for like their belongings <laughs> okay give me your stuff yeah. I'm a libertarian but yeah, yeah, the, yeah the libertarian position would be that this is government overreach for sure yeah. on what this guy's doing which is really hard to paint as civically irresponsible because that's what they're trying to do is right. like fire we, these shelters are unsafe they're a fire, fire hazard. hazard more unsafe than the fucking uh tents that they're living in and smoking in which you know go up in flame so it's like i i don't know i i feel like uh well, they're dude, just go doing out there it with an umbrella and stand over a homeless person it, it's literally just because some some becky in the neighborhood said air an eyesore it's an eyesore are they called, you know, called what an eyesore? They're called Becky in Canada. Yeah, wow. they're called, I thought there was like I Lorraine's. guess they're called Rita's. Oh, Rita's. Yeah, Lorraine's. Or so, I don't, yeah, I don't know what a <laughs> I don't know what a dastardly white woman is called in Canada. Anne Marie, boom, mm-hmm. boom, take that Anne Marie, you're done. You're, you're done. not a snowbird. You're a snow nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, we have some real uh, venal, wicked leadership uh, in Canada. Our, our uh, vaccine rollout has been hilariously bad as well. Uh, some would say worse than America's. 
Really? Yeah. Well, we really don't have a plan. We don't. Re- we we just approved the AstraZeneca one. What? Uh, so wait, but so yeah. how many people have been vaccinated in Canada? Not a lot. Not wow. a not a ton. Well, I'd say less than ten percent. Well, the, the Johnson and Johnson in one is what's on my mind because it's like less effective. So I guess they're gonna give that one to the poor people. Cool. Yeah, that's how we're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. We, we they won't give you the good <laughs> so shit. Fucked up. They were like, okay, we have one that works good and then one that's not as good. And we ran out <laughs> of the one that works good. Um, and we did all the old people who have all the money. So, okay, uh, here you go, young, poor people. Have one that works half as good. Sucks. Reminds me of, there's this New Yorker cartoon that I really like. I think it might be by Matthew Diffie. And it's firemen, and they're saying, this is a rich apartment, so use the good water. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And such a thing probably does exist, I imagine. There's all sorts of tiered systems for the wealthy. That's how you keep the system going. you got to live better. It's not enough for you to succeed. Others need to fail. Uh, I like it too. I'm glad that I live better. Whenever I'm like feeling depressed and anxious about life, I just compare myself to someone who's a total raging fuck up. <laughs> and I'm like, well, at least I'm not him, yeah. you know. Yeah, like who, who, who can I? I need to also want to do that. Where are the fuck ups? <laughs> or like the Chernobyl engineers. Whenever I'm feeling oh, bad, okay. I watch Chernobyl because it's like no matter how bad I fuck up at work. I can't fuck up as hard as these guys. Yeah, fuck up, <laughs> fuck up so bad that everyone you know dies painfully. <laughs> yeah, there's that's that's not happened in my life. I've never done anything. I've never made a mistake that bad. Guys, I'm sorry, but we are all gonna die of radiation sickness in a horrible way. And I just wanted to say that I feel absolved of my guilt by telling you how bad I feel. That's what. Mm-hmm. I, that's exactly what I would have said. And then I would have mm-hmm. would have been fine. Mm-hmm. It would have been fine, dude. <laughs> Honestly, it's fine. Forgive and forget is what I would have been like to Diatlov. Yeah. You know what, Diatlov? It's cool, bro. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, man? It could have happened to any of us, man. You know what, man? It's okay. Well, yeah. Hey, live and learn. You know. Pat you on the back, Diet Love. You get your gold watch. You get your gold watch and your promotion after all. Because if there's anything that Chernobyl teaches us, it's compassion. Um, <laughs> and you know, forgiveness. If it, if it ends up being responsible for your empire to dissolve, <laughs> Soviet Union crumbles, Warsaw Pact falls to pieces, you lose mm-hmm. a substantial amount of territory as a result, you're directly responsible for years of misery for your, an entire people i mean water under the bridge my friend water under mm-hmm. the bridge and hopefully that water is not irradiated dude it's it, such hopefully a, it is not yeah. irradiated runoff biggest water. fuck up of all time i do think it, it it caused the downfall of the soviet union in no small part oh yeah absolutely but uh, uh hey. really displayed how powerless they were Yep, and, and they could no longer rely on that image of strength to persist in the Cold War. And here we are in 2021 releasing Tom and Jerry feature film. 
<laughs> Kids, you're going to love it. It's a cartoon from the 30s. Well, other cartoons from the 30s have managed to stay relevant, but there's still something very old-timey about Tom and Jerry, something unshakably from a past generation, you know. The time for Tom and Jerry has lapsed. Yeah. I was it's interesting cuz it it doesn't seem like it's taking place during a pandemic, which is what I would hope for in a Tom and Jerry feature that they're wearing masks and walking around and they're very sad. And it's very like n- nothing typically Tom and Jerry happens. They're just kind mm-hmm. of like they lose their jobs, there's a huge depression. They have to wear masks, everyone's dying. And like actually be like what it was like in New York. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Having them just be doing pranks on each other, that's kind of lame, mm-hmm. you know? I See, what I'm very surprised by is that there hasn't been a modern reinterpretation of the Flintstones. Because the Flintstones was originally intended as a parody of technology. That's why they have, you know, the joke in every Flintstones episode is all these modern conveniences that they have. Mm-hmm. And it's an elephant vacuum cleaner that says, it's a living. <laughs> But, you know, you could do the Flintstones today and it's, you know, it's instead of Twitter, they're just sending birds back and forth to each other, you know, and the birds say, it's a living when they're sending, like, they say, Nira Tanstone says, fuck you, you stupid little bitch, Fred Flintstone. Nira Tanstone, nice. Nira Tanstone gets Matt Brewstone fired from his job. Years later, when she's uh, Office of Municipal Boulders, uh, she's being confirmed by by uh, Joe Joe Byslate. <laughs> why do you think? Why do you think they put anymore. the Flintstones on TV in the nineties? Still, why do you, why did they do that? Uh, Generation Xers reliving their childhoods. What was it seriously like? A bunch of like weird generational like hate going on with being like you have to watch this too like because it's the best you didn't like the flint i like the flintstones no i didn't like them lots of good moments in the flintstones you know mm. no, i like doug <laughs> you, i like modern modern i like, mo- I like doug, modern doug fucking ca- art sucks. of cartoons i like the modern art doug. <laughs> i was sophisticated dude i like doug <laughs> Okay. Didn't like that weird sixties stuff. Yeah, Doug was good. Doug was good. That little Doug was just constantly trying to get his dick up into patty mayonnaise. Yeah. Trying it trying to scooch it up into that mayonnaise. Yeah, his, the lower class green dude <laughs> was always being mean to him. Yeah, but then you know they made they made Roger less sympathetic by making him rich in like the third season. Oh, so right. So now his bullying was even even less. You know, yeah. that, that's a common trope. Nelson was all Nelson from The Simpsons was also impoverished, which was uh, used as an explanation for his aggression. Yeah, being poor makes you angry and unpredictable. Yeah, and lead paint. It makes you lead paint? Well, you know, lead paint in the houses of a lot of poor people, which makes you angry, and lead paint makes you angry and unpredictable. I think we got lead paint. That's like yeah. one of the uh, one of the <laughs> theories of why crime was reduced in the 90s. Um, mm. You know how, like, uh, 
across the board crime was it went down in the 90s mm-hmm. like in, in everywhere yeah because the, and to, to let out of the gasoline yeah that's that's one of the theories yeah. and it made everyone yeah. just relax a little bit just chill out just you know chill not out. so much you're not breathing in so much lead and it's not making you all wonky yeah. and want to hey, pay, use your fists pay all attention the time. hey take this adderall what the fuck Pay attention. Take this Adderall. You are acting like a psycho. Take this Seroquel. Come on. I like the idea of, like, guys trying to go super alpha, like, ingesting a lot of lead in order to get, like, super angry. <laughs> and, like, yeah. bro, we're, doing, we're huffing lead. It's going to make us It's gonna make us super alpha. Hey. It's going to make us Hulk out, bro. Yeah, v- Vin Diesel. Because <laughs> he gets the unleaded. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of new theories of masculinity, who is Scott Alexander Siskind? Oh, he's uh, he's a blogger that has hit fame in Silicon Valley. Who the New York Times did a story on, which made him have a public freakout against the New York Times. Kind of get more. Pu- he kind of got more publicity publicity out of it, uh, which was I guess good for his blog, but um. Pretty influential Silicon Valley people have, like, name-dropped him. Like, really rich venture capitalist types. I think Peter Thiel has talked about it. Mm. And he writes uh, about and is part of something called the the Rationalists. They're, they call themselves Ooh, the, rationalists. the Rationalists. Sounds, sounds rational. Yeah, and they, <laughs> they like... They like... Um, they wish they were... They wish they were Episcopalian, but they just are atheists, so they practice something called effective altruism, and they have groups mm-hmm. that they get together and talk about and discuss how better to be effective altruists, which basically means like giving a percentage of your income to charity every year. That's basically what they say, which is what the church That's is. really inefficient. Anyway. That's like, why don't you just do... So, so taxes? No, but then they you, discuss you it. You like taxes? No, then they discuss it, my friend, then they discuss it. I see. You're leaving out the most important part, how it's kind of like the discussion group. Anyway, um, he also attracts white supremacists and mm. neo-Nazis like Mencius Moldbug or Curtis Yarvin. He, mm-hmm. The New York Times article implies that he endorsed Charles Murray. Which he is quick the, the, the race science right, guy. Which he is quick to say on his blog that he did not endorse him. He just said he agreed with him that telling poor people <laughs> to learn how to code is not a good way of fixing your problems. So he yeah. agreed with Charles Murray on that point. Um, okay. Anyway. Well, we we agree with Charles Murray on that, but like yeah, uh, anyone, learn to code is pretty not much anyone agrees. Things. Anyone agrees with huh. that. Anyway, the yeah. so the New York Times did a hit piece on him and was going to publish his full name. They did publish his full name. He's a psychiatrist. Didn't want his name published. He sicked his blog followers on the New York Times people, and they all got they all got death by a million rude tweets. So R.I.P., because mm. they are dead now. And um, anyway, yeah, he writes crazy stuff. He wrote a recent post on advice to Republicans. And he gave Republicans the advice of talking about class warfare and saying that the Democrats were trying to do class warfare and then mm. position themselves as being against the upper class and say that the Democrats are upper class people doing class warfare. That's uh, dangerous and smart. 
That's yeah. so it's that's kind of like what the post left is is leading towards or like this yeah. So, so as we've talked about before, like the Paxtonite definition of fascism is the suppression of popular leftism while appropriating the hallmarks of that leftism as a form of, you know, weird driving populist force. So it seems like this, like we, we just had like a little hint of this proto-fascism that we're about to experience and it sounds like the Scott Alexander Siskind is um, the, the real one that we're going to experience is probably going to emerge from the tech industry. Mm-hmm. And it's probably and it will be the Peter Thiel wing of the alt-right that really drives us into what the worst Trump could have been by my by my reckoning yeah, or by my idea of what what's the worst that could possibly happen. I hope they don't get power. Um, I mean, Scott Alexander Wright, that, that's the name he would go by. His last name, Siskind, was revealed by the New York Times, but you could find it elsewhere on the Internet. Um, mm-hmm. he, he attracts, I mean, he's not that bad. He attracts, um, this most recent blog post, however, was kind of, I was kind of like, maybe he is that bad. Uh, but before this, he was, I didn't think he was that bad. Um, mm. But the Republicans have tried this before as well they've tried this they do this sometimes already so they've tried to adopt populist language yeah, they've tried they because they run into the problem of they want to be upper class <laughs> if they're not already so they don't really want to well, blame it the upper class there is a precedent for this back when socially conservative people were democrats like a george wallace democrat did say populist shit like this but was also you know against race mixing and stuff like that so that's that's what it makes me think of is like maybe you'll see like weird racist Democrats emerge and become very popular. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's what they may- they think the Democrats are racists, sort of. Yeah. And they're weird. Well, way I mean, they are. I, see, that was always the the pitch of Candace Owens is powerful. Because what Candace Owens says is like, look, the Democratic Party says that black people have to keep voting for them. But what has the Democratic Party ever done for black people? And, you know, other than, you know, Lyndon Johnson, very little. (laughs) And Lyndon Johnson is even debatable as well. Very debatable, Mm. I should say. So it's it's a pretty easy pitch. Of course, the counterfactual to that is, uh, yeah, the Republicans, well, the Democrats don't do anything for black people. Republicans actively make their lives worse. But, you know, that's not something that Candace Owens would cop to. But the first part of that argument is actually very powerful. And it's, you know, the reason why you see a lot of uh, uh, black people doing the whole spite vote. You know, that's sort of what the whole Kanye West uh, turn to MAGA was about you know this mistrust with traditional institutions oh, man. Uh, and the idea that the Democratic Party was racist and manipulating black people um, shout, out to, show, shout out to Kanye getting the divorce yeah <laughs> bitches fake friends you know <laughs> Kanye come on the show tell us about what <laughs> happened here Fre- friend of the pod Kanye West come on the show Kanye tell us what happened um, man, what, did you see that Kim said that he was banal, and that was the reason he was banal. And that, that banality was a divorce reason, like on her legal document. I could see that. I imagine Kanye West is a pretty obsessive guy 
Like, he'll just get really into trains, and he'll just, that's all he'll be talking about yeah. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Connects. He likes building, he likes designing shoes. Like, thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands of drawings of shoes. Everyone's shoes. Yeah. He notices everyone's <laughs> shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Poor Kanye. Yeah, and, you know, st- starring in Sia's movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Kanye West is not autistic. Dude. He is bipolar. Oh, yeah. And autism is not a mental illness. It is a it is a neurological condition. I thought it was that a is feeling. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that inside out. It's joy, <laughs> disgust, sadness, fear, <laughs> anger, and autism. autism. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it today. Yeah. <laughs> right. Make my most autistic memories. That was a joke, a jest, a jape. All yeah. that was. Sorry. Sorry, neurodivergies. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my divergies. My divergies. We will s- yeah. <laughs> That's great. That would be great. It's my new pet dad, my divergies. We will <laughs> That's that's our fan base. That's what the House with the Client fan base are called is the divergies. Mm-hmm. Because in order to be, you don't have to be autistic to listen to the show, but, but it, it helps. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, uh, we we have fun here. Yeah, I really want to watch the see his music, but I can't find it without having to pay for it, and I'm not going to pay for it. <laughs> so, well, she should have given roses to that autistic kid. I did watch the trailer, and I hadn't watched the trailer. I watched the trailer today. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you you saw what I was talking about with her. She she seems to be acting more like a person with um, Down syndrome than a person with autism. I, I mean, people, is, not necessarily. There are... I mean, not even with a per- like a person with Down syndrome. It's, it's, that, it's not identifiably any... It's Anything just, she's acting it's like. Just, it's very extreme. And to do it, if, like, like that's just, it's kind of gross. Yeah. You don't, you, I don't know. Maybe it's just not a time in our culture where we can do that. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio, a beautiful, a beautiful performance in What's Eating Gilbert. Yeah. Great. Beautiful. Won an Oscar. Mo- beautiful. See, he was great. He was a great diverging. Maddie Ziegler. You know? Uh, of course, yeah. misogyny strikes again, you know. <laughs> Same with Neera Tandon, you know. How are you going to look in the eyes of a little Indian American girl and tell them they can't call someone a cunt waffle on Twitter, okay? Why is why is Leonardo DiCaprio's performance acceptable? Is it acceptable to, today? Uh... I think uh, maybe. I, I think <laughs> so it was Leonardo DiCaprio was setting a trap for you. <laughs> no, it is acceptable because Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, character, because there are autistic and neurodivergent actors. It's like not unethical to use a neurodivergent actor and to ask them to do stuff. But uh, with with someone who is like severely developmentally disabled as leo dicaprio's character is in that movie it would be unethical to ask them to be an actor i don't which well, is why that's the thing uh, it's like i think, I think it, you can sort of get away with it i don't think if it's if it's unethical to ask someone to do that hmm well 
But can I mean it's not it's not a it's like it's like what the good time the the softy brothers said you know they didn't actually cast a, a mentally disabled person in good time because they would have had to have like roughed that mentally disabled person up a little well I don't know for the I character just, in the movie I, I guess you got to try to think what a mentally disabled person would feel like if they watched what's he in Gilbert Grape yeah I mean that movie makes you feel sad. So they probably feel sad. They probably like it, but I don't know if the portrayal would make them feel worse or not. Yeah. Well, I think the the, uh, the with there's not like a group of people like Leo who are organized like the autistic community organizes as well. Maybe he should reprise the role. Yeah, he should do what's eating Gilbert Grape twenty years what's later with Gilbert all Grape Johnny Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp and Leo DiCaprio. <laughs> Yeah. Holy shit, that movie would rule. <laughs> it, would, it would rule so much. <laughs> Do Gilbert Grape 2 with canceled Johnny Depp. <laughs> it doesn't even matter if he did all that shit to Amber Heard. It's over, Johnny. It's You're done. Just with your millions of bottles of wine. just It's just you and your bottles of wine now, Johnny. Yeah, he's cask of Amontillado'd uh, himself. He's walled himself up in his own <laughs> misery. Uh, man, picture it. A very, very drunk Johnny Depp going to his wine cellar and letting out, Who's drinking Gilbert Grape? <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio comes over to hang out and get drunk with them, and they do a little <laughs> lines from the movie. <laughs> Leo, Leo, talk to me the way that you used to. Okay, but only for you. I'm not going to do the voice. I'm not yeah, going to do the voice. We're not that kind of a podcast. Yeah, don't, we're not seeing Don't come here for that kind of content either, okay? All you weirdo anti-virgies. Mm. Anti-vergites? Di- Divergies. No, yeah. it's the anti-vergites. The vergites. Anti-vergites. Anti-vergites. Those are the people we don't like. We don't like them. Get out of yeah. here. You're not welcome We don't in tolerate anti-vergites. Anti-divergites. No. No anti-divergites. No anti Whatever. It doesn't matter. We we love you, Divergies. <laughs> and this episode is dedicated to you. <laughs> yeah. From, and all the film portrayals that make you feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's this has been Andrew Cuomo's sexy pandemic. <laughs> we'll see you next week. See you next week. Oh, the show's gonna Bye. be uh, the show's gonna be one day later next week because uh, uh, yeah. we have a one day delay. Sorry, one day. See you on, it's gonna be a one day delay. We had to get roses. Yeah, see you on Monday.